Hello world and welcome to the Overtone Warp Zone. This podcast is for people who enjoy games, love music, and want to know more about how their favorite songs work. In season one, we're taking a look at musical concepts found in pieces from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I'm Dan Bergman, and let's get started. Something I love to do is watch compilations of people reacting to Smash Bros. character reveals. The Smash team does these reveals so well. They incorporate high-quality animated interactions between all these beloved video game icons. They intersperse them with sneak peeks at the gameplay of this new character, and it's all chock-full of lovingly placed Easter eggs and deep-cut references. It's exciting to see a character you care about show up in this game, especially when you weren't expecting it. And as beloved as this character is, there are very few who saw him coming. Oh, it's Sephiroth! No way, Sephiroth! Sephiroth! No! No! We already had the hero of Final Fantasy VII, Cloud, come to Smash for Wii U as DLC in December of 2015. There was seemingly no way Final Fantasy would have another representative, and yet, five years later, almost to the day, Cloud's arch-rival joins the fight. Sephiroth! Final Fantasy is a huge franchise, spanning 15 main entries and many spin-off titles. You may ask why it is, then, that both Final Fantasy Smash characters come from the same original game. There are a few answers to that. First of all, Final Fantasy VII is the most profitable game in the series, with a compilation of additional media to boot. That includes the feature-length film Advent Children from 2006, and it includes the remake trilogy of Final Fantasy VII, which the first part came out in 2020. Smash director Masahiro Sakurai also argues that Sephiroth is the most recognizable video game villain, next to Bowser. Plus, it's kind of epic now that we get to play out the rivalry that Cloud and Sephiroth have in a new way using this brawler. In Smash Bros, Sephiroth is a glass cannon. He has strong sword and magic attacks with huge range, but his tall figure is easy to hit and he gets launched easily. One of the coolest things that the team did in rolling out this character was to have a five-day challenge before his release where players could face off against Sephiroth in a boss mode style battle to unlock him early. Players of course challenged each other to get the fastest time defeating him as possible. Check out more about Sephiroth's introduction and his moves in Sakurai's introduction video. Now you may remember that in episode 2 of this very podcast, I pined for more Final Fantasy music in Smash Bros. Well, that moment has arrived. Nine new Final Fantasy VII songs were added. Four of them are new remixes, three of them are arrangements made for the movie Advent Children, and two are from the original 1997 PlayStation game. Longtime series composer Nobuo Uematsu created the music for both the game and the film. One of the pieces that made it to Smash is the iconic final boss theme, One Winged Angel. It shows up in both Final Fantasy VII and Advent Children renditions. This is from the original game.
there's some really unique facts about this composition. For example, it's the first and only time Uematsu composed using a puzzle piece method. He composed two to four bar segments of music at various points until he had about 20 to 30 of these pieces. And then he experimented by putting them together in various ways. Ultimately, he knew that the staccato stabs that start the piece would have the greatest impact there. And I tend to agree. Uematsu also wanted to find a way to have the punch of a rock or metal song done by an orchestra. And he was inspired by Stravinsky's Rite of Spring as he was looking around for the right sound. Even after the original composition was complete, he mentioned in the commentary for Advent Children that he wasn't totally satisfied with the orchestration he used. To him, the addition of a metal band with the orchestra, like in the Advent Children version, felt like what the piece needed all along. While this tune has become known as Sephiroth's theme, we don't actually hear it until the final boss fight of the game. Sephiroth does have a theme when he shows up throughout the game, though. It's called Those Chosen by the Planet. And it sounds like this. This theme is slow, ominous, foreboding. It has this low drone and a snaking chromatic melody, and it makes the listener uneasy. There are references to this song in the boss theme, One Winged Angel. Listen to the main melody of those chosen by the planet. That melody shows up in the song One Winged Angel, in the choir right here. And now listen closely to the bass line of Those Chosen by the Planet. is sort of referenced by the choir in this section of One Winged Angel. Now before we say much more about the music, let's unravel a bit about who Sephiroth is. Sephiroth begins the game as a hero with somewhat of a mythical status. He proved himself to be the most powerful soldier of Shinra against the nation of Wutai, and many, including Cloud, looked up to him. Through it all, Sephiroth appeared as a tortured individual, but in the end, well-meaning. However, on a mission where he discovers his true origins, he loses his mind. 
He believed himself to be the chosen one to rule the world, and his mission became to use magic to hurl a meteor at the planet so that the planet's essence, known as the life stream, would congregate there, which Sephiroth would absorb into his own essence, merging with the very life stream that nurtures the planet. By doing this, he planned to make himself into a god. If that sounds like some overdramatic megalomania, well, you'd be right. Most games in the Final Fantasy series revolve around a collection of heroes saving the world from some sort of apocalyptic event, or defeating a super-powered foe with a god complex. There are often themes of good versus evil, light versus dark, holy versus unholy, especially in the earlier entries in the series when the games were more high fantasy settings. Creators of media with end-of-the-world themes have a natural go-to source of inspiration, religion. There are all kinds of religious references throughout the Final Fantasy series. In the first game, for instance, the final boss, Chaos, is based on the devil. In the second game in the series, as you progress throughout it, the final boss goes from being the emperor of a nation called Palamecia to the emperor of hell. Final Fantasy VI's Kefka, similar to Sephiroth, views himself as a god after he captured the power of three gods frozen in stone. During the final fight with Kefka, there are some crazy deep allusions to Dante's Divine Comedy, along with many other subtle nods to sacred art. To look at the music side of this boss in particular, I highly recommend checking out 8-Bit Music Theory's video on his theme, Dancing Mad. But we are talking about Sephiroth. What kind of religious allusions are there surrounding him? The first is in the name. In Jewish mysticism, Sephiroth is a Hebrew word referring to ten aspects of God that allow him to manifest in the physical and metaphysical universes. In Final Fantasy VII, Sephiroth exists in several ways himself. As a part of the life stream, as a part of his alien mother with whom he shares vital cells, and in other physical manifestations. The version of Sephiroth that the heroes fight while the song One Winged Angel is playing is named Safer Sephiroth. In Smash Bros, Safer Sephiroth is Sephiroth's final smash, where he transforms in appearance and hurls a meteor at the earth. This new appearance features a cloud and six wings replacing his lower torso and legs. Two large halos encircle his head, and in place of his right arm, a single dark feathered wing has appeared, making him the one-winged angel. There's definitely more than one biblical reference here, let's take a look at them. The Christian tradition describes a type of angelic being known as a seraph, whose name sounds similar to Safer. The seraphim are the highest ranking of all angels, and they have six wings. The name seraph is translated as burning one. Parallels can't just be coincidence. The single black wing that Sephiroth sprouts is likely a reference to Lucifer, also known as Satan, who was cast out of heaven for his desire to become like God himself. Hmm. There's one last thing that we'll talk about in this episode when it comes to religious illusions in Sephiroth. And it comes to us from his very theme song. Ecclesiastical Latin. Ecclesiastical means of the church and Latin is the Latin language. So ecclesiastical Latin means the type of Latin that would be used in the church. This is the language that's sung in One Winged Angel. 
In fact, it's the only piece in the game with recorded human vocals, and the first piece in the series to do so, making this song particularly noteworthy. The way that the Latin language is used in Sephiroth's theme scaffolds the idea of his twisted self-sense of godhood. But before we tackle the exact text that's used here, let's give a little background on the sanctity of this language. Christianity was already three centuries old by the time it was deemed legal under Roman Emperor Constantine in 313 AD. Proving incompatible with the pantheology that Romans practiced at the time, it became the state religion in 380. Rome was already unstable in this era in history, however, since it was spread so far geographically across most of Europe and parts of Asia and Africa. It split into East and West in 395. The East, where most citizens spoke Greek, would eventually become the Orthodox Church. The West, where most citizens spoke Latin, became the Catholic Church. Now, the meaning of the word Catholic is universal, and one part that kept Christianity universal to the people of Europe was the language. The Bible was translated from the original Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic into vulgar Latin, the kind of Latin that the common people knew. But as time went on for the fragmented remnants of the Western Roman Empire, different groups of people began to evolve Latin to different dialects, and eventually entirely new languages. These are known as the Romantic languages. Not because they're like particularly lovey-dovey, but because they came from the Roman Empire. Romantic. They include languages like Spanish, Portuguese, French, Italian, and several more. As the church read the vulgar Latin Bible, aka the Vulgate, they would read it in a way that the local people could understand. For a modern example, today we do not read the word knight, as in knight in shining armor, as knecht, although it is spelt that way because of the word's origins. In the 8th and 9th centuries, this practice of reading it out so the people could understand would change. The English scholar Alcuin was tasked by Charlemagne to improve the standards of writing Latin in France. This ended up with him developing a fairly literal interpretation of pronunciation based on Latin spelling, not contextualized for local dialects. Suddenly, Latin became the language of the insiders, the educated, the clergy, and not the language of the people at all. Even today, we see that Latin is used beyond theology in other levels of high education, such as law, medicine, science, music, and so on. The majority of churchgoers of the late Middle Ages would listen to the Mass in Latin, have the Bible read in Latin, have sacraments performed in Latin, and even have sermons preached in Latin, even if they didn't know that language. It is in this context of ecclesiastical Latin that the Carmina Burana was written. Does that name sound familiar? How about O Fortuna? Maybe you'd remember if it was sung to you. This work was written by Karl Orff and was first performed in 1937 in Frankfurt. The texts for this work, translated as Songs of Buren, were a group of 254 songs written between the 11th and 13th centuries by the Galliards. The Galliards were young scholars and clergymen who, 
whether in protest of the contradictions in the established church or by lure of secular life, wrote satirical, body, irreverent verses and poems. Why do I bring all this up? It's because One-Winged Angel uses some of the exact same text that Karl Orff uses from Carmina Burana. To be specific, One-Winged Angel takes texts from the poems O Fortuna, Estuance Interius, Veni Veni Venias, and Ave Formosissima. Let's listen to the various parts of One-Winged Angel where the Latin shows up. And I'll speak the Latin and its translation so you can take note of it. Estuans interius ira vehementi, burning inside with violent anger. Sors imanis et inanis. Fate, monstrous and empty. Veni, veni, venias, ne memori facias. Come, come, O oh come, do not let me die. Gloriosa, generosa. Glorious, generous. There are some apt lyrics here that apply to the anti-establishment of the 11th century church just as well as to the unholy mission of Sephiroth. By the way, do you notice how that first line talks about burning inside? What was the literal translation of the Hebrew word seraph again? Oh yeah, it was burning one. Coincidence much? Now let's talk briefly about the Advent Children rendition of this tune. You may not know this, but the lyrics are actually entirely new in this version. Well, almost all the lyrics. The poet in this case is the character designer of the Final Fantasy VII game, as well as the director of the Advent Children movie, Tatsuya Nomura. The text is still the same style of Latin, but apply more directly to Sephiroth himself. In fact, Sephiroth's most memorable line in the film, I will not remain a memory, is foreshadowed in the first line of the song, written out verbatim in Latin. Here are the lyrics to the Advent Children version, in Latin and in English. Noli manere, manere in memoria. Do not remain, remain in memory. Sevam iram, iram et dolorem. Raging anger, anger and sorrow. Sevam iram, iram et dolorem. 
Ferum terribile, terribile fatum. Brutal, terrible, terrible fate. Veni, mi fili, veni, mi fili. Hic veni, da mihi morta miterum. Come, my son, come, my son, come here, give me death once more. He mortem invitavit. He invited death. Poena funesta natus. Painful tainted birth. Noli nomen vocare. Do not call. Ile iterum veniet. He will come again. Ecclesiastical Latin has been the language of the Catholic Church Mass up until the Second Vatican Council in 1965, where it was determined that Mass could be translated to the language of the people. This move seems to be more reflective of how Latin originally was the language of the people nearly two millennia ago. With all of this church history, composers can draw from the language to immediately evoke a religious, holy, or even apocalyptic sense in the listener. When used in a satirical sense, the impact can be even more powerful, as those concepts are flipped to the irreligious and unholy. Combined with Uematsu's masterful composing, these Latin lyrics perfectly encapsulate the terror of facing a foe like Sephiroth. I want to give a big thanks to patron Mitch W for help with research and fact-checking for this episode. You can support the show on Patreon too, or show your support by subscribing to the podcast and giving a five-star rating. I can't thank you enough for your encouragement. You can stay up to date with the podcast by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Overtone Warp Zone. If you have a suggestion for a song or music topic or other thoughts on the podcast, send me a DM or email me at overtonewarpzone at gmail.com. Until next time, Keep playing.